people that are on their own saying, well, I don't know, I can't pay for it, I can't get to a cash point. We can say, it's okay, we'll get you food. Someone's paid for it. Uh, that really is amazing. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. So Rachel, you're director of the charity Befriend, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. The first question, getting straight into it. So what was your old normal and what is your new normal? Okay, so Befriend is a registered charity. We've been running for 25 years now um, and we do befriending. So we support older, vulnerable, disabled people who live alone and don't have family to support them. And we do this through volunteers visiting them. We do weekly visits. People go and visit them, take them out to the shops, take them out to a local cafe, to a local park, um, and provide them with social support. They might just go and have a cup of tea, go and have a chat, but it's companionship for people that otherwise would have nobody else. And now, I mean, overnight, really, everything completely changed. We had one day, we were writing to everybody saying, we need to you know, wash hands a bit more, we need to just take extra precautions. And then within a few days, we were saying we've got to stop all of these visits and not do any face-to-face -face visits at all, which is huge for the people we support who go from week to week seeing nobody anyway, who are isolated and at the moment, maybe the only person they would see would be their volunteer. So now not see them at all is obviously huge. We are providing them with telephone support, so the volunteer will still ring them. Um, sometimes twice a week just to keep up with them, see how they're doing. But of course, it's not the same. It's not as much as regular actually seeing them face to face. It was on that Monday, wasn't it, where we kind of came out the weekend and mm -hmm. things pretty much changed on that Monday, right? Yeah. What did that 24 hour period look like for you? Um, initially, it was very, very busy because we realised, OK, we've now got to write to every single person and let them know that we can no longer visit them. We were obviously concerned about them. We needed to have the right information in that letter so they know where to go if they need help. They know they can still contact us on the phone. Um, and just so they can understand that we will not be able to visit them, that the volunteer will still contact them. But then there was another problem that came to my mind, and that is how people are going to get shopping. Because actually it's one thing to start with if a neighbour might pop round and help them and they can give them cash. But then after a while, people are going to run out of that cash. Um, and if they can't go out to a cash machine, people will have no access to their money. Um, that brought some concern that people might resort to trusting people with their bank card. Um, that carries very high risk. So my concern was how people will get shopping, but how they can pay for it as well. So not just for the people we're already supporting, but for um, any people in the borough, older, vulnerable people that need our support, we set up an emergency shopping service, which we did really overnight. Um, and I put a call on Twitter, on Facebook for anyone to donate so we could have a fund, um, an emergency pot for people that didn't have the, the money to pay for their shopping but needed it. Um, I mean, in less than 24 hours, we raised over a thousand pounds. We're now up to over two thousand. 200 it's going up all the time donations from amazing people in the community so we've got that money to use we don't have to people that are on their own saying well I don't know I can't pay for it I can't get to a cash point we can say it's okay we'll get you food someone's paid for it uh, that really is amazing so what does that look like logistically then 
in terms of buying the food and getting it out to the people who need it most? So logistically, a referral will come into us. Um, we put together a referral form. We're also now working with Ealing Council as well, our local council. So they've um, joined up with some other community groups who are also providing different kinds of support. Um, it's all called Ealing Together. So we get some referrals coming through there as well. Um, we then, one of our members of staff will phone the person that's being referred to us, have a chat with them, see what their situation is. Is it that they've got no food in the house at all? Or have they got a little bit for a few days? What do they need? When do they need it? We then will send it to one of our volunteers who um, is already signed up with us and trained, mm -hmm. um, has a DBS check, police check, um, and we arrange for them to go and pick up the shopping. Um, and what's happening is most of them, they are paying for it and then we are reimbursing them afterwards. And, that, and how has your work generally from the incredible um, logistical service that you just outlined now to even the phone calls, how has that been positively impacting lives? Are there any stories you could give around how this is really coming into play? I mean, there's a couple of stories I could tell. Um, I mean, some, some of the people we're supporting, they have family who live in other parts of the world. Um, I was speaking on the phone to a lady who's in Northern Ireland, um, and she was just so worried about her father who lives in London, who actually has Alzheimer's disease, um, he's on his own, he's got no family nearby, they'd been really wanting to try and get him moved over to be near them but that hadn't happened and now they can't go to him um, and they just didn't know what to do, they tried to arrange online shopping, It's there's no available slots so just the relief in her voice when I spoke to her on the phone was, was amazing knowing for her to know that there was someone there that could help, um, that was brilliant um, and yeah, I spoke to somebody today who, again, she just felt, felt quite lost. She didn't know what to do. She couldn't go out. She was going out before, but now she couldn't go out at all. Um, and she just was really quite anxious, really, that how is she going to get shopping? How was she going to survive? She had some health issues as well. Um, she was worried about losing a lot of weight, which wouldn't be good for her. Um, and just the relief in her voice when I spoke to her on the phone that we were there for her to support her. Um, I think we give hope to people. Um, and it's also not just one off. We will then call again next week and say, how are you? How are you doing? You know, have you got enough? Do you need anything else? So it's the ongoing support that we will provide. The next question is kind of there's two questions in one. So how can the public help and support what you're doing? Because it's very targeted and healing. Uh, that's the first part and the second part is how can people help in their local community based on the insights that you have in dealing with uh, this particular problem in in Ealing um okay so how they can help um us particularly um people can volunteer you know we we are going to need more volunteers at the moment we have um we have a good number but the situation is going to continue it's not likely to stop anytime soon so we are going to get more and more people that need this help so people can sign up to volunteer people can donate and they can actually do all of that through the ealing together website um which is i've just written down that's ealingtogether.org um if people are local they can go to that website and sign up that link will be in the in the description okay brilliant thank you um and just thinking of how people can help each other in their local communities. I mean, 
it's one of these times when people do want to help other people and that's brilliant what we would say is for one if you've already got an existing relationship with somebody that's really great to help them um some people are going to be nervous if they've never seen you before and you're knocking on their door <laughs> um so if you're not in Ealing, there may be other charities in your area that are doing something similar because, you know, sometimes people are nervous about accepting help from somebody they've never met before. The other thing is, if you are wanting to support a neighbour who's on their own, make sure it's not just you, make sure there's a group of you because tomorrow you could get ill, you could have to self-isolate and then that person won't have your support anymore. So it's trying to think, make sure there's a group of people providing support you know don't take anyone's bank card um contact the council the local council if people don't have access to money um and need shopping don't take anyone's bank card um just yeah but keep an eye on people really and look out for your friends look out for your family look out for your neighbors it's horrible times we'll get through it really excellent points especially around the not taking cards and ensuring there's a group um yeah that's a really good point what positives do you think have come out as a result of uh, the COVID outbreak? If you can answer that, if you think there are any positives that's come out of it. There are, there are positives. Um, before this started, I had been thinking, I really want to get the voluntary sector in Ealing more joined up together. You know, we're all very busy doing our own individual things. We're not always the best at working closely together. Um, and I was thinking, I really want to get us working better together. Um, and now through this, we, we are, you know, we've kind of, we are doing a huge joint effort working together to support people. I've had many Skype meetings with different voluntary groups. And, you know, hopefully that can now continue because we've got to know each other a lot more and we've got a good relationship. I think that is a really, really important thing that the voluntary sector is strong and united in all of this. Um, and also just people's generosity. You know, I've been overwhelmed, not just by the financial donations, but um, the volunteers that are doing shopping. You know, it's I've had people that have been to three or four shops to try and find the things that someone needs. You know, they're not just going to the local shop and finding it's not there and giving up. People have been going all around the shops to try and get everything. Um, they, that you know, they've gone above and beyond what we'd expect of them, which is really really amazing yeah it's been amazing to witness across the board like not just in the uk but across the world kind of communities coming together um uh -huh. it's been really yeah. incredible so all right rachel thank you for your time i want to end on three power questions so the purpose of the questions are i'm going to ask you're going to answer uh don't dwell on it too much kind of answer from the gut um and then i'll move on to the next question okay right what shifts would you like to see in society after COVID 19 continuing to care about other people because I think quite a lot we're just insular a lot of people walk around they don't say hello to people they just think about themselves not everybody but genuinely people you know people don't always think about other people and I think this is changing that so I'd like that to continue what would you tell future generations when it comes to the topic of COVID-19 <laughs> I would say that we united together and we got through a terrible situation and we were stronger afterwards. Cool, I like that answer. And lastly, what is keeping you going? Um, just the, the constant need that people need our support. 
Um, and as a charity, we really are committed to helping these people. Um, we're not going to give up. We're going to make sure that they've got the help in place. So if people need it, we will keep providing it and supporting them. Amazing. Rachel, first of all, thank you for your time. And second of all, thank you for all you're doing. Keep it up. Um, it's been incredible to chat with you. Um, and yeah, if anyone's watching this, you can click the link below. Uh, you can donate, learn more. Um, and I hope that the kind of insights that Rachel gave in this conversation can help inspire um, more people to kind of continue in the legacy of what you're doing. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Anything else that you felt was unsaid or that you'd like to say? Just good luck, everybody. <laughs> We're all in this together. It's all unknown. And I think actually, yeah, look after your mental health, everybody. I think that this has the potential to really affect people mentally. Um, it's completely unknown circumstances. So look after yourselves as much as looking after other people. Do look after yourselves as well. What are you doing to protect your mental health? Is there anything that you're doing? Personally, well, I have downloaded a couple of books on my Kindle because sometimes I can just um, become really absorbed into a book. Um, can take my mind off everything else. I have to say, the last couple of weeks I've been working almost nonstop, but I'm hoping this weekend I can have some time to to read and um, and to just relax a little bit. Cool. Well, I hope you manage to switch off. It's hard, isn't it? Because all the days, the, the concept of weekdays and weekends is completely non-existent now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, so now, even more, now more than ever, it's important to take that separation, know when to switch off. Um, yeah, brilliant. Rachel, thank you so much. Thank you.